Hi, and welcome to this episode of My 23-Year-Old Self, True Stories from the Come Up. I'm Zena Burns, and today we're talking with Angie Taylor, the radio trailblazer who's the host of The Angie Taylor Show on Rock 95.5 in Chicago. She has so much to share with us on this episode. Angie will talk about how she got to be the very first woman to lead a rock morning show in a major market. She'll talk about how she came to the United States from Serbia when her mom was pregnant with her, and how that experience may have factored into her wanting to get into radio. Angie will talk about how coaching from her colleague Dennis Clark has changed the course of her career and why everyone can benefit from a coach no matter how successful they are. Angie will tell us why a great work ethic is generally a positive thing, but it can have its drawbacks too. And we'll talk a little bit about Prince because that's just what Angie and I do when we get together. So let's get into it with Angie Taylor. I am so happy today to be talking to the wonderful Angie Taylor, radio trailblazer, wonderful friend, and all-around good people. Dina! Thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm so proud of you, by the way. Your podcast is amazing. Everybody like, everybody subscribe, everybody comment. Thank you. (laughs) Checks in the mail, hunt. So, as you know, the name of the podcast, My 23-Year-Old Self, That's just based on my age when I got my first meaningful job in media. I had had some gigs before that and everything. What's your number? What's the age where you got the job that was most meaningful and setting you on the path you are today? Well, 23 must be the number. Honestly, when I got my very, I'm in radio, when I got my first radio job um, was 22. St. Cloud, Minnesota, a little overnight shift, midnight to 6 a.m., Driving two hours, going to college in the morning, bartending at night, and then St. Cloud, Minnesota overnight shift. Team, no sleep. Team, no sleep. But that's where you put your grind in, right? In your early 20s. But the big job was 23. That was the pivotal job. So like you, it was 23. I was begging the radio station in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where I grew up, to hire me all the time, sending them demo tapes every weekend that I would do a shift. I would send them demo tapes and they were like, you suck. (laughs) You're not good enough yet. No, 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 no. And I'm like, just a weekend, just one one shift, one anything. I just want one rib. Do one. Give me one minute. No, nothing. So finally, after one year, they were like, okay, we'll hire you for weekend swing, fill in, whatever. (laughs) This is is it. So my very first shift at this dream job at 23 years old, like you, 23, my very first shift, I was on the air. It was an overnight shift and it was during the Olympics in, it had to have been 1996, Atlanta Olympics. Okay. Where the bombing happened. Oh, yeah. 10 minutes into my first shift, the bombing happened. No. Yes. No. Your very first shift shift. on your dream station. Here I am. Like, here comes, you know, like, I don't know, ludicrous or whatever we're playing at the moment. Then all of a sudden, the AP wire is going crazy. All the programmers are calling me going, do you know what to say? And I'm like, I don't know how to handle a big news story on yeah. 40 station where I'm playing like Janet Jackson and whatever. So fast forward a few months later, the humongous morning show that was there, the Dave Ryan show, which is still there. Incredible. Uh, to this day, and he's winning awards, and he's in the Radio Hall of Fame, and he's amazing. He's been there forever. He 
says to me, yes, our co-host has to go overseas. Can you fill in? And this is just for you getting your foot in the door, being there overnight. So I'd imagine you run into him when you're leaving yeah. and he's coming in. So you're, you've gotten your foot in the door in a position that is maybe less than ideal. But, but I'm, I'm in, you know, a top 20 market. And you're using it to network. Zena, you just nailed it. That's where I was trying to make connections with everybody. I would go to every event, everything. I was 23. And when the door opens, you sort of have to kick it with your foot as hard as you can sprinkle glitter, walk in and be like, I'm going to run this bitch. I don't know if you felt the same way with your big job. Like, this is my big job. I have to twirl, honey. So I had one whole week every morning. Didn't know what I was doing. Didn't know pacing. Didn't know interacting with people. Didn't know when to shut my mouth, open my mouth. Didn't know anything. But I was just myself at that age. I remember my co-host Dave Ryan at that moment We were talking about me dating because I was single, 23. And I was like, I'm not just giving up the cookie to anybody. And he died laughing (laughs) because nobody had said something so outrageous. The cookie. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're talking about your vagina. Aging Mrs. Field. Oh, my God. (laughs) So I was like, okay. Like, I felt like I was in a groove and it gave me confidence. And that was the moment where I was like, this is this is going to happen. And the next week. They hired me for that show. Wow. And, you know, and it was an imposter syndrome moment. Mm-hmm. But whenever we have those imposter syndrome moments, we have to remember that we're there for a reason. But it was hard to reconcile that in my brain at 23 years old. And my entire Serbian family was like, she got a job on KWB. Like, they don't even know where I work. I think they think I work in the jazz station or something. <laughs> but they're still to this day. And I remember when you work on KWB. I'm like, yes, I remember. <laughs> You know, I'm glad you brought up your family, because when I think about just just being friends and knowing your background, when I think about you and the role that you play in radio, you are very much someone who likes to you know, bring people into the conversation. Did your upbringing with your Serbian family and tell us a little bit about that, did that factor into it all why you wanted to be in radio specifically? I don't think I really even connected those dots until you brought those up to me. My family, I'm first generation. My mother came to the United States pregnant with me, very young, 18. Yeah, She was pregnant with me. I was the first one of my family that was born in this country. So English wasn't really my first language, but they also very much wanted to Americanize me because here I am. I am the American child, right? Of course. And how was their how how were how were they with English at that point? They didn't know any English. And I think like most immigrant families, when you come to America, you find your tribe, right? You find they found the Serbian people in Minnesota, which it's like finding a needle in a haystack, honey. Like who? Where are the Serbians in Minnesota? But they were there (laughs) because a lot of them worked on the Iron Range and things like that. So. They found their Serbians, and there's always somebody that brings you over. So my great uncle is the one that brought us over. Everybody was working. But yeah, my family didn't speak English. Me and my cousins and my aunts, Wendy, always were the ones who were reading mail and helping them with bills and helping them understand things. My mother specifically learned a lot about speaking English by watching Sesame Street with me when I was little. Oh, I love that. But think about it. You know how Sesame Street would teach you how to read? Like, they'd have car, car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you are a foreigner, 
trying to understand English, it really breaks it down. And then once I started going to school, I would bring home like whatever homework, not homework, but like whatever lessons we'd learn. And I would teach them to my mom as well. She would want to know what I was learning so she could learn as well. So we were as learning. A young together. kid. Yeah, we were learning together. I was six years old and she was learning English through her daughter who was going to American school. I never appreciated that until I was older. I didn't really understand how hard that must have been for them. But it's also a quite another thing to be reading that, hey, the electricity mic is shut off. I'm 11 years old. You know, you have to call this number, talk to this lady. You need as much money. You know, and, and, and sort of being the liaison or the translator right. was a lot of... It was a lot of pressure at that time. Gosh, I would imagine that that meant getting your big break as a communicator and a personality. I would imagine the fact that it was on this, you got that break on this storied station, like the mighty, you know, the mighty KDWB. Yeah. I have to think maybe that financial insecurity growing up added something to the excitement of landing that gig. Uh, of course. Of course it did. I mean, the financial insecurity... Listen, I've been very open about having not the best childhood. There were stepfathers and people in my life that were abusive. And I was kicked out of my house when I was 16. So I always, and I still to this day, as a nearly 50-year-old woman, have this fear of going back to that place. Yeah. And I think anybody that grew up poor or disenfranchised in any way always has that fear in the back of their mind even if they think they've made it like it never really goes away yep you know it's sort of like if you were in an abusive relationship with a man or a partner and you get in a really great one you're like well when is this person going to go crazy it's got to become <laughs> so I always have that in the back of my mind but yeah it does it's absolutely fuel because you don't want to go back there I can smell the powdered milk I can see the block of cheese, the government cheese, and I don't ever want to be in that place like where it's a, you know, a little apartment with six people in it with one bedroom. Right. So, um, yeah, always that's the this the survivor instinct that kicks in for anybody that's been through that. I mean, everybody like kicks and grinds. And I don't care if I were Kim Kardashian making a billion dollars, there would be a part of me that was like. I might invest this wrong and it could all go away yep. and I might be back there. Like it just never goes away. Well, it's it's incredible that you were able to kind of turn all of that into the work ethic that I know you have. You have an incredible work ethic. I think just about anybody who works with you knows that you have an incredible work ethic. And to go from that foil wrapped cheese in the brown cardboard box because you know it. I too. You have a brown box. I too had that brown box of government cheese. Of course. Uh, to be able to to be able to somehow spin that into a positive is just an an incredible lesson of taking a negative and turning it into a positive. Sometimes I worry though that it's a negative. Yeah. The work ethic. The work ethic. Yeah. I love that I have the work ethic, but sometimes I wonder if it's a hindrance in a way. And I know this might be like a weird thing to say, but I don't feel like maybe I'm enjoying everything the way I should. I haven't really like marinated in any of the success and any of the fun in any of my life. And maybe it's going really fast. Sometimes I'm like, wow, I'm just so worried about not ending up back there that I don't sit and think, hey, girl, you've done a good job. 
Yeah. Like I don't pat myself on the back. Ever yeah. Because it's always like everything's going to fall apart. Like next, next, next. What's next? So I love the fact that I have that work ethic. It makes me crazy when I see people that don't have work ethic. But at the same time, I wish I would have stopped and enjoyed more things. And I'm trying to do that now, but it just is always in the back of my mind. I think that's a really fascinating concept, especially as I think about younger people listening to this podcast. I mean, I, you know, I feel the same way you do. I very purposely and specifically only had casual relationships when I was in my 20s because I was like, this is the time where I need to bam, 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 bam. I'm not so fight, grind, repeat anymore, but I used to be for sure. Right. Like, do you, and I I think, I wonder sometimes now if I had been better off if I had just sort of checked in with myself at different stages. Thank you. I'm glad we're having this talk. Yeah. Because you and I both, we're friends. You and I both got married later in life. Yes. My Serbian Bubba was like, you know, if you're not married by like 18 and having kids right away, like, she would always be like, are you lesbian? I didn't get married till I was 36. So in my culture, in my family, it was what is going on with her. You and I were career women, right? It, right. We were very much career women. And I just always assumed that love would come later. Children, if I wanted them, would come later. Whatever would come later. Kids today, I feel like, are so much more invested in their emotional well-being. Yes. And in their path in their time and how their happiness and I applaud them for that I really do because going back to what I said earlier I sometimes feel like I should have been more aware of my feelings in each stage of my life and what I was going through I didn't even keep scrapbooks I didn't keep anything I don't there's no evidence that I even had this career out yeah Google because I didn't save anything and I I talked to my friends who were have been in the business like us forever and they have scrapbooks and they have plaques on the wall and pictures and I'm like I have nothing just because I've been like boom straight arrow making sure that I cut through everything and there's a part of me that really regrets that for yeah sure. I think that's a I think that's a good lesson it's you know as down as people are on the younger generation that's coming up I do think that's one huge positive being more aware of your well-being and trying to find that balance between the work ethic and going the extra mile and also taking care of your head and your heart. For sure. And they're making it possible for all these companies to change the way they treat mental health. And I'm a big mental health advocate. And so I love that generation for it. I wish that, you know, I'm Gen X. We're the forgotten generation. Yes. You know what I mean? You're yes. Gen X. We are the we're forgotten. We're fun, but we're forgotten. We're yeah. fun, but we're yeah. We did a lot of change, but nobody cares. <laughs> like, we're the MTV generation. Nobody gives a shit. They didn't play videos anymore. <laughs> oh, back in the day. Oh, back in the day. Back in the day. So speaking of back in the day, we're going back to your around your 23. You get your big break yep. on uh, Dave Ryan's show at KDWB. Sounds to me like there came a time in your time there where you felt like you just kind of outgrown the role. Yeah. What do you do then? Do you just kind of continue because you've got this financial insecurity, anxiety baked in you from your upbringing? Or do you go to look for the next thing that might fit your life stage a little bit better? It's a great question. Because honestly, when I got that job in Minneapolis, here I am in my hometown. I'm young. I'm making good money at that time, at least what I thought was good money or what was. And I'm like, I've made it. I was going to put my feet up. I'm like, cool. 
I'm, I've got everything. And then you go, I was on that show for, I think, about six years. And then you just get to a place where, like, there's got to be something. And I want to I want to travel. I always have thought that I had to get out of my hometown to find who I really was, you know, because I don't know that anybody in their young 20s really knows who they are until I have yet to meet. Yeah. A young 20 something that didn't. Right. And t- nobody myself included, for sure. And that's OK. It's OK. But that's what your 20s are for. Right. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to find out who you are. And so I was at a place where I'm like, I'm ready to move on. I felt like I was in a category that I wasn't loving and I had more to offer. So let's see what else is out there. I got a job offer in Philadelphia. Q102 in Philly, another iconic radio station. Absolutely. That I always wanted to work at. Like I would listen to tapes of DJs there, Chi with the Hitman and all these people. I would listen on the listen line. Do you remember listen line? Yeah, I absolutely. I've heard some Z100 listen lines and KTU listen lines. I would listen. Which tell the audience. So you used to be able to, before there was, like you could go on an app, Straight like the iHeartRadio app and listen to, thank you, plug, and listen to other radio stations. <laughs> You would have to call a number and put it on hold and just listen to the radio station. It was a listen line and it was toll free. So I would just put certain radio stations on my phone and put it on the speaker and just listen all day for eight hours a day. By the way, if this is blowing your mind, if you're of the age that this is blowing your mind, you used to also be able to call a phone number to get the time. Yeah. Oh, my God. Or at the tone, the time will be 847. Yeah, exactly. That is crazy that you just brought that up, too. You used to be able to find out where the movies were playing in your neighborhood, too. Once you figured out you knew you needed to go, how do you make the decision to make the leap? When I decided that I was done working at one place, I was always trying to connect with somebody that would get me to the next place I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. So when I was in Minneapolis, I was like, okay, who do I know in Philadelphia? Who do I know that works there? Who do I know that has connections there? Let me talk to this person and see if they know this person. You know Kid Kelly mm-hmm. from Genius, Kid Kelly, like classic. I told him, hey, I really want to work at this station in Q102 in Philadelphia. He's like, oh, my God, I just recommended you for this job. Send me your tape. Blah. I feel like whenever there is that scary hours time in your life where you're at that place, I don't know where I'm going to go, but I I want to go somewhere. Yeah. That you have to find the person that can put you in that place to help you go there. So at that moment, it was Kid Kelly for me. And I'm like, okay, Kid, help me. He was the liaison. Everybody yeah. needs a liaison. Because I don't know anybody there. Yeah. I'm not from Philly. I'm like, they're going to hate me. It's going to suck. Whatever. For those of us who get nervous sometimes to ask for that connect and to ask for that help, the older I get, and especially being on the other side of things, sometimes it's a benefit for that liaison person or that connector to have that pool of talent. Yes. So so be respectful about it if you're in that position and be persistent to the point where, you know, you're not driving them completely up a wall because these people have other things to do. Right. But maybe the, the the fact that it's all that it sometimes reflects well on them, that they do totally. have a connection to totally. good pools of talent, like don't have anxiety about asking for that type of connect. And I feel like most people, if they're good people. Yeah always want to help people 
And there are certain people that love being connectors. Zena, you are a connector. You connect so many people in the business. My husband is a connector. Very much so. I hope. Shout out to Jason Prinzo. Shout out to Jason. I hope that I'm a connector in that way too. Absolutely. And it's there's something very gratifying about putting someone on yep. to someone else and them being very successful. Like, I told you. I told you they were great. <laughs> so, like, you got to find your person in every moment. And I think that is... When you're scared, you got to find somebody that is really like, all right, you got this and I'm going to help you and I'm going to show you and I'm going to teach you. Like I've had this moment several times in my career and there's always I can find I can think of the person immediately that was always like, I'm going to help you do this. Dennis Clark. Every time. Lydia Malcolm. Lydia. Let's do a little shot for Lydia. Cheers. Cheers. For Lydia. Clink. Cheers. Lydia always. Everyone, Lydia Malcolm is Dennis's nickname. And um, does he know that you tell people that? He does now. Oh, he does now. Uh, he just outed Dennis? Yes. A mutual friend of ours and I are on a mission for the whole world to just call Lily Malcolm. Okay. So, Dennis Clark, if you know, you know. But if you don't know, this is the person who's kind of been a connector for you. Yes. Who, is, who is Dennis in your life and how has he helped you with that? So, Dennis Clark, when I was in Minneapolis, was the first time I met him young 25, six, seven-year-old. Dennis, the coach of every star of iHeartRadio, the coach. He's he's a coach. A lot of people would say consultant. I say he's a coach. He's a life coach. He's a job coach. He's a look coach. He's an everything coach. Told me in Minneapolis, like, it's time for you to go. He was the first person that said, you got to go. You're ready to go. It's time for you to go. Yeah. Like, let's see what else is out there for you. I think he realized that I was young and I was hungry and nothing a consultant loves more than young and hungry. <laughs> Took me out to dinner. was like, "Let's. it's time for you to go. And every single job I've had, he's been there every step of the way. Um, he's honest and will check you when you're being stupid and will be your biggest cheerleader when you're having your success and is mom, like dad. Yeah. Best friend. All of that, as you know, Zena, like just... You need somebody always to shoot you straight. Yes. So no matter where you are in your life, and I feel like some people get their head above the clouds, some people are in the dirt with the way they feel about themselves, you always need somebody that will shoot you straight no matter what, that you trust that what they're saying is 1,000% authentic. I trust Dennis if he tells me, hey, you were out of line. I'm like, okay, cool. How can I correct this? Yes. Because I don't want to continue to be out of line. And I also trust him when he says, you killed it. I'm not quite, where most people, if they're like, you killed it, I have such a low self-esteem issue. Yeah. That I'm like, you're just being nice to me. You're just being, but. But you're also in a business where people blow smoke. Right. Yeah. But here's somebody who cuts through all the bullshit, right? Yes. And that has been my mentor my entire career. I don't know where I'd be without Dennis. And I know there's. A million people that listen to your podcast that would say the same thing about Dennis Clark, including yourself. We all love Dennis. Absolutely, including myself. I uh, please, I could do a whole new podcast with stories about Dennis yeah. Clark and how wonderful he is. But for someone who maybe doesn't have that specific person yeah. in their life, I right. think it says something to say that you are someone who's at the top of your game. I could rattle off a dozen names that people would know who are all at the top of their game and they have Dennis in their life right. coaching them and telling them how he can how they can be better. I think it's important for everyone to 
understand that there's always room for improvement and yeah. you can't be defensive or weird about it when someone talented and trusted tries to coach you to get you to that next level. What is the harm in in bettering yourself yeah. ever? It's not that there are it's not personal. And people sometimes take coaching and consulting as very personal. Well, they're attacking me. Like, this is what I do. And it's hard not to think that in a business where what you put out every day is very personal. But there's a way of doing it. And there's a way to not do it. And sometimes it does sting. Like, it never doesn't sting when somebody's like, that really sucked what you did. Or you could do this better. It's like, "Mm, okay, but... Who doesn't want to be better all the time? Right. If you're, I don't know, Tom Brady, and you're throwing the football wrong because your foot isn't pointing the right direction, and your coach comes and says, every time you throw that football, your foot is the wrong way, wouldn't you want to put your foot the right way and just start hitting bombs? Of course. And that's what Dennis does. He points your foot the right way. He gets you on the right trajectory. And that's what he did for me. And I think that's what a good mentor should do for you. Like, be there to point you in the right direction, your foot, your arm, your, whatever you're doing, and also, like, gas you up when yeah. when you are doing great. And I have the best pictures of my life are Dennis taking pictures of me, like, look at you, doing yeah. this, doing that. But I've also sat and cried after sessions where he's like, girl, <laughs> what the hell was that? And I'm like, oh, my God. Okay, you're right. I was off course a little bit. I was off course. But I need to hear that. And I'm one of those weird people that actually loves criticism because I never want to sit and keep doing the wrong thing and thinking I'm doing it right. Right. Because you get, you know, stuck in your way of doing things. And if nobody's there to tell you, hey, maybe let's adjust or move, you're going to keep doing it the same way and to no results or to no fanfare or to no nothing. So... I I think few people would dispute that you need those people in your life personally, but I would argue that you need those people in your life professionally as well. Even more, I think. Because personally, like, of course you need those people. You're going to have those people personally because you're going to have your family that, like, dissects everything you do. Mm -hmm. You're going to have your besties that gas you up. But in business, you need those harsh people that are also, like, it's almost like a S&M, you know, like, tell me more. Well, you know, spank me, but then give me a hug after. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know what I'm okay. saying? Okay. Yes. Dennis yes. is my dom. Dennis is your dom. <laughs> that's the quote. Cut and print. No, no, no. That's that is that is really that is really, really good and I think important to keep in mind as you yeah. work as anyone works to climb up that professional ladder or just get to whatever level of success. It is much easier to do so if you have that and you're in your head. And yeah, like getting spanked and getting hugged, but trust in that person. Much like the, I don't, I don't know everything about the S and M community. I'm just saying, I know, <laughs> I know trust is a big thing. So you have to trust the person that's spanking you and hugging you has your intentions. All right. So you get the gig at another legendary station, Q102 in Philly, yep. and then you make the big move to Chicago. The right. Fred and Angie show on 103.5 Kiss FM. Awesome top 40 station, huge ratings. Monster. What was it like to grow up 
being someone who was translating for all of your relatives because they didn't speak English, having to decipher that electrical shutoff bill. (laughs) And then after years of hard work, of course, you're at one of the biggest stations in the third biggest radio market in America. What was that like for you? My God. Chicago was always the dream for me. Yeah. My dream was never New York or L.A. My dream was Chicago because I'm a Midwest girl. Yep. And growing up in Minneapolis, we had family in Chicago. There's a lot of Serbs in Chicago. Shout out. (laughs) And so we always came to visit family. And I just remember as a kid, like sitting in the backseat of whatever cutlass I was in. Whatever cutlass you were in. Yeah, the, but the crappy cutlass, not the nice one. Popular with the Serb, Serbian community. Yes. Just looking at the skyline going one day, I would love to live here. Never in a million years thinking I would be on the air in this place. So it was amazing. It's amazing. And by this time, I'm a single mom of a three-year-old and starting a job in Chicago at Kiss FM. I was so excited and everything was amazing. Fred and I had an insane 10 year run where we just dug our heels in and started from 26th place and went to number one. And it was so great. And I'm so proud of my tenure at Kiss FM. It was amazing. Well, I'm eager to get into your jump. So, from the Fred and Angie show, you do something really monumental, which is land the Angie Taylor show on Chicago's newly launched only rock station, Rock 95.5. Yeah. And this, I was thrilled with you when you got that gig for the Angie Taylor Show, the morning show on this brand new rock station. But I was kind of flummoxed to learn that this is the only morning show on a rock station in a major market that is led by a woman. I was too. <laughs> I I mean, it. I, I, it's, it's incredible yeah. to me yeah. that in all of this time, there hasn't been a major market morning show. Led by a woman. Led by a woman. Yeah. How did that come about? That came about going back to our early conversation of when you feel like you're ready to move on. Okay, I am on the number one show in Chicago, the Fred and Angie show on Kiss FM. And I'd been on this show for 10 years and had a great time. But I just felt like, you know, I get very antsy. (laughs) Sometimes I blow up my life in weird ways because I don't know, I'm just used to chaos. And so I, I went to the bosses and said, I don't want to renew with the show, but I want my own show. And they're looking around the room going, well, we don't have anywhere to put you. And here comes my angel from above, James Howard, who is my program director, and Mm -hmm. says, I think we're going to launch a rock station. I would love for you to be the anchor, the morning host. And I'm like, me? The girl that's been talking about Britney Spears for 25 years? (laughs) I'm like, I don't know that Chicago is really going to dig because I have market recognition as a top 40 girl here even though you you're diverse like just knowing you as a friend you're very diverse but yeah you're that's your market recognition that's my market recognition so I just was very afraid that I wouldn't be well received in fact ask my husband I sat and cried every night I'm like why am I taking this job everybody's gonna hate me I'm gonna be terrible I'm doing the wrong thing I'm gonna ruin my career like my anxiety I'm a girl with anxiety mad anxiety and in my mind I was blowing up my life Right. So 
I was like, okay, YOLO. Let's see this works. <laughs> All right. Let's see what happens. And I was so happy that my the people above me trusted me in that position. Mm-hmm. And while it was sad to leave something I was very comfortable with, you know, I felt like it was time to do something else. And so the comfort zone, I read this one time on an Instagram post and it really stuck with me. And it was during this time. The comfort zone is where your dreams go to die. The comfort zone is where your dreams go to die. Let that sink in. Yeah. And you you bust right out of that comfort zone like the Kool-Aid man. You just gave me goosebumps when you said it in slow motion like that. <laughs> slow motion for you. But yeah, you have to you have to Kool-Aid through the wall on some of those things. And then once you Kool-Aid through the wall, you have to be able to show that you belong there. So while my entire life wasn't spent working in rock radio, I always say that the station I'm on, Rock 95.5, is the MTV era of rock. It's what we yeah. grew up on, our generation. I love that era. Yeah. Isn't it the best? It's like the Nirvana and the Beastie Boys and the everything. We play everything. The Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, it is that generation of rock. You know, our generation, my generation of rock. And so I'm like, well, I got this. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a rap girl, but I'm also a rock girl. I'm an MTV girl. So, and it's exactly what we do. And lo and behold, <laughs> rock fans are very welcoming and very cool. And I've been having a blast and it's been three years and it's all I ever want to do. And I hope my career ends at Rock 95.5. It's been a ball. Your show was very well received. I could talk to you all day because you were just the most wonderful interview. And you have good wine and you're pouring it in Prince goblets. One thing that we ask everyone on the podcast is to think back to when they were whatever age it was. It was the same for us, 23 years old. Yeah. Think back to when you were 23. If you could go back to that workplace and leave yourself a letter or a note from yourself today about what you would want 23-year-old Angie to know to make her path easier than your path was, what would that that note say? It would probably be the same note that I would give 50-year-old Angie Mm -hmm. at this moment, and it would be just... Stop worrying about everything. I am like, I am never stuck. And, you know, it goes back to, I don't want to land back in the poorhouse thing. Like constant worry, just constant doubting myself, constantly doubting the future, constantly doubting that what I've put into everything isn't going to manifest at some level. And I know that's easy to say at this point in my life to stop worrying but I still am worrying. I'm always worried. I'm constantly worried. And I feel like it's taking years off. <laughs> so just to like not worry and make sure that you are using your pool of people that support you. I am always so afraid of leaning on people mm-hmm. because I feel like everybody has their own issues. Everybody has their own struggles. Like I don't want to be a burden to anybody so I hibernate when things are bad and people will come in a month later like where you been I haven't talked to you Mm -hmm. I know that anybody that's a friend always wants to support anybody that's your mentor is supposed to be there to support but I am of the belief that I'm a burden always 
And so I would just say, like, stop thinking that you're a burden on everybody and everything's going to be okay. Because you know what? I'm, I'm going to get teary eyed. I'm saying it's myself right now because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still in that place because I'm always in a weird, like, work or transitional moment. I'm in one right now. And so now I'm like saying this to you with all this confidence and bravado. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, take your own advice right now so yeah sometimes that's the benefit of reflection yeah right right you're holding up a mirror that i wasn't that expecting <laughs> but i love you for it but yeah like honestly i think you have to lean on people a lot more than you probably do angie angie yes and Zena, you were yelling at me about something related to this earlier today yeah yes and and everybody And everybody, you know, sometimes I think people would be surprised how many people who they see as having it all do still have those struggles about worrying that they're going to end up back in, you know, back in the poorhouse or that they're not good enough, even though they have a demonstrated record of success or even more intimately being a burden by sharing their struggles with those who love them even if those who love them have been very open about the fact that we're all in this together and we're here to support each other and lift each other up so i think that you were just looking me dead in the eyeballs when you said that and i feel like you're targeting me specifically (laughs) do you feel attacked angie i I feel loved (laughs) i feel i feel a love on but it's true it's it's so true and i think that we're so used to being strong and, you know, trying to empower others. And, mm-hmm. hey, you know, I don't think people expect anybody to have any issues and, and want to open up about them. And I'm I'm a thousand percent a mental health advocate and I am the worst person about taking my own advice sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's what I would tell myself. And that's what I'm telling myself now. So, hello, 23-year-old Angie, stop, you know, trying to do it all, and you can, like, let other people know what's going on, and also, 50-year-old Angie, stop it, and, like, lean on people. Lean on people. Thank you. Lean on people. And stop looking me dead in the eyes. (laughs) You're so, like, penetrating my eyeballs when you say it. All right, I'm going to turn around right now. I am not facing you. I am not facing you at all. No, not looking at you at all. Hey, we're going to... I I mean, I feel like that was a very positive and good note. Yeah. We also like to give our guests the opportunity to shout out a young woman on the come up that they feel everyone needs to know about that exhibits qualities that just make them absolutely incredible and you feel more people need to know about them. Well, you can turn around and look at me for that. (laughs) <laughs> I am going to shout out a person that I have been shouting out for years who I think, you know, you always see somebody that you're like, oh, my God, this person is a star. This person is amazing. And whatever. I don't care if you work in insurance. You're like, this girl sells the hell out of insurance. She's going to be the insurance star. In our business, I have to shout out Kiki. Kiki Lake. Kiki works on The Fred Show, my Mm -hmm. former show on 103.5 Kiss FM, and is the brightest, funniest, 
like smartest, most Swiss Army knife talent you've ever seen. She used to be on WGCI. She has worked her way up. She was working in our digital department, doing all the social media things, made her way to the Fred show. Now she's killing it over there. She's in a phenomenal on-air personality. But when she was just being utilized as a social media person, I was like, my God, you know, when you just see somebody and you're like, this person is amazing. Yes. Like she almost scares me. She's so good. I love Kiki. No last name. She's like Oprah Kiki. Check her out. Does she love me? uh, Is she riding? She's always riding. She's always (laughs) riding. We love. We haven't met. You don't have to love me. We haven't met. But she reminds me a lot of the old school way of grinding because she started doing every job at the radio station. You know, like everywhere you go, you have to let people know that you're interested in something else because they don't know that you want something else. If you're sitting there cleaning bathrooms, wherever you're working, they're not going to know that you want to be working at the front desk. Yes. Another piece of actionable advice. Don't assume that the people around you have ESP and know what you want to do next. I've seen that happen so many times with talented people who get frustrated that they feel like they're I'm not saying that this is kiki at all but people who feel like they're stuck in a rut yeah and they can't get out of it yet their managers and their peers don't know what they aspire to totally and and a lot of people ask me that about the transition from kiss to rock like well, how did you do that I'm like well I told them that I wanted my own show nobody was going to knock down my door mm-hmm. and say hey would you like your own morning show because I'm on a great show that's got huge ratings and everything's great why would they assume that I wanted my own thing until I told them, they would never have known. And they're like, oh, we didn't know you wanted your own show. Mm-hmm. And then it happened right away. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, why didn't I do this like 10 years ago? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, why did I wait so long to speak up and tell people what I wanted? If people love you in your position and think that you're a good worker and that you're a grinder and a hard worker, I feel like they're going to make that happen for you. Yes. If you tell them what you want. Yeah. You have to tell people what you want. They're not mind readers. But don't tell like everybody what you want. Yeah. Tell them. Because <laughs> then you're telling everybody around you and they're like, screw her, whatever, screw him. But if you're telling the people that are in the position to make it happen for you. Yes. You have to find your elevators. Always find your elevator. Tell them what you want. I found my elevator. James. Hi. I want my own morning show. Boom. Kiki out here like doing every single job at the radio station letting people know hi i want to be on the air hi i want to do mornings hi i want this here she is doing mornings on the biggest show in chicago good for her kiki is amazing and i will always put on for her so i love putting on for anybody i love it and xena burns ange taylor (laughs) thank you Thank you so, so much. I mean, you've just shared such wonderful wisdom, advice, stories. Absolutely fantastic. Like I said, I could I, I could do this all day. Can I ask you a question? Uh, sh- I'd be honored. Sure. Favorite Prince song. That's like favorite child, isn't it? <laughs> it? It is like favorite child. Right now it's mountains. Oh, my God. You know, mountains. it's only mountains. I apologize. And if there's... <laughs> If there's could put my lawyer's information out there if there's any type of class action <laughs> class action going oh, with no. going with me I singing coming for you yeah no 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 okay but yes from parade under the oh, cherry under the cherry moon. yeah i know you love under the cherry moon. <laughs> i can't I, i'm sorry i'm sorry i promise i won't anymore okay question your favorite print song i don't know 
Like, <laughs> that's why I asked her. So like, she'll never say it. I've got like a- your favorite Prince look. My oh, my favorite Prince look is probably parade album. I need yes. the buttons on the pants and the half shirt and the hat and all of it. I want it all. Yes. Favorite. Christopher Tracy. Shout out to Jerome Benton, by the way. Tricky. Yeah. Tricky. Tr- Tricky never really got his due. It's, an, it's a sickness. Sorry. It's a sickness. We'll save this for the Prince podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Angie, you're wonderful. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you, Zena. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. Believe me, it really does help get the word out about the information we're trying to share. I'd love to hear from you on any thoughts, feedback, or ideas for future episodes, especially about the women who have inspired you. Hit me up on Instagram or Twitter, I'm at Zena Burns, or email us at 23-year-old-self at gmail.com. That's the number 23-year-old-self. This episode of My 23-Year-Old Self was produced by myself, Zena Burns, and Cameron Blackwell, and it was edited by Cameron Blackwell. We used the podcasting platform Post by Futuri to publish today's episode. Thanks, too, to my day job family for all the support. Until next time, keep rising and remember to help others rise, too. Thanks for listening. <laughs>